Welcome all to another episode of The Smug Buds, the good podcast where we explain everything to the geese. <laughs> my name is Will, and I'm joined as always by my friend and co-host, the Billy Eyelash of amateur podcasting, Elizabeth Deanna Morris Lakes. Hi, Liz. Hi, Will. That is like honestly the greatest compliment you could have given me. <laughs> She's so spooky. Uh-huh. Have you and- been listening to that album? I have been listening to some of her songs, but as we may or may not talk about today, I hardly ever listen to albums uh, oh, or you, you know, music in that form anymore. I, I've been enjoying some of her music uh-huh. very yeah. recently. Her um, her song "Bad Guys." I had a really funny conversation with Blake about mm-hmm. um, my my brother. I love him so much. Because he, um, he really listens and thinks about things. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he was trying to sort of poke fun at me because, um, he really likes Billie Eilish. And, um, I had been playing Bad Girls by MIA. Mm-hmm. Do you know that song? No. Um, so, uh, the chorus of which is Live Fast, Die Young, Bad Girls Do It Well. Mm-hmm. And the music video, um, was actually filmed in Barcelona, but it's clearly, filmed to look like it takes place in a Middle Eastern country, perhaps uh, a country where it would be illegal for women to drive. Okay. And so there's a lot of cars, there's a lot of stunts happening, and there's women um, in full headscarves, there's women not in headscarves, there's just like a huge diversity of different sorts of people, mm-hmm. and men also in this video, and, um, you know, being very cool with cars and doing tricks. Cool. And Blake, this video Tokyo was Tokyo drifting and- everywhere. <laughs> We were Tokyo drifting everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and a future episode. And mm-hmm. um, Blake said to me, well, you know, Liz, Billie Eilish is kind of trying to be like, she's more gender fluid. That's why she's really mm-hmm. saying that she's like a bad guy. And I was right. like, yeah, Blake, MIA is saying bad girls in this video because she's specifically referring to like women driving in countries where it's illegal for women to drive. And he was like, okay, yeah, that's legit. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so there's a uh, street cred on multiple sides of this issue. Mm-hmm. I like the song "You Should See Me in a Crown." Yep. Uh, uh-huh. Because do, do you know where that title is from? Um. Yes, because you sent me a gif of it. Yes. Oh God, but I don't remember. Did you recognize the gif when you saw I it? I did. I guess okay. I can look at my phone. Well, I can just tell you. <laughs> okay. It's from a television program that we may or may not ever talk about in a future episode because I'm uh, passionately enjoy it uh, called Sherlock. Oh, yeah. It's from Sherlock. It's, yeah. It's it's a Moriarty line. Yes, because I think Moriarty looks like one of our mutual friend's boyfriend. Okay. Do you want to um, say who, who, who off mic? <laughs> oh, oh, no. Just Jeff. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, do you want to hear what I think Moriarty sounds like? Yeah. You're ordinary, Sherlock. <laughs> ordinary. That's my... You think he sounds like Snuffleupagus? Well, I mean, doesn't he? I mean, like, when he's not screaming. Like, You're right. He does. He sounds like... Once a, he sounds like there's, like, cotton that he's breathing through. Every, like, hundredth line, you know, he screams and he's like, that's what people do! And, like, that's what he sounds like. But mostly he sounds like, ordinary Sherlock. <laughs> that's, that's my impression of I'm Jim so, Moriarty from... I'm so happy that you did that. 
BBC Sherlock. It's one of my favorite voices. I, I love that guy. I love that performance. I love just I do doing too. that voice myself. That dude too, like, I am like, that dude is not, like, just, he's just like not sane. <laughs> that evil protagonist. And I mean, I know that there's mm. question, you know, the question is whether or not how sane Sherlock is, but wow, mm. he's really attractive. And I never would have been attracted. He, he's a person that I never would be attracted to, that actor. Mm. Mm-hmm. But his acting is what actually made me attracted to him. He's no, yeah. um, no, uh, uh, handsome man whose name I can't remember. Tom Hardy. Tom Hardy. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's a callback to a previous episode. That's why I knew who you were talking and about. And a previous episode in which I couldn't remember his name in that either. <laughs> um, you don't need to what, talk. He's, he's got a real forgettable name. He does. Tom Hardy. 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 Ordinary Hardy. <laughs> You're Hardy, Sherlock. Well, should we get into it? I think so. Will, I believe mm-hmm. that today we're talking about playlists. Yeah, you could say that. Um, And I, I say this, you've said playlists to me and I've said to you, well, don't you mean a mixtape? And you've said, no, I'm too, too young for that. And I'm like, well, I guess my whole <laughs> year on you has really put me into the past. Well, I, I will refine and define my terms. Okay. Uh, because you I, also I, did not say mixed CD, which was also an option. I've thought more about this, and I maybe I shouldn't have said playlist. Mm. In the the nomenclature that I've decided upon for this discussion is I'm going to talk about making a mix. Ah, okay, I accept. I accept. Definition of terms: If I refer to a playlist, uh-huh. then what I have in mind is basically a box where you throw in the songs that you want to listen to mm-hmm. and there might be a lot of them and the way that you listen to that list is probably on shuffle like mm. say in your car or something okay so yes that's a different experience than a- that's one type of thing that yeah. i have been known to create and that's a playlist but uh-huh. what i want to talk about is making a mix mm-hmm. <clears throat> and the reason i won't say mixtape is because I was born in 1990, mm-hmm. and as many mixes as I've made, I haven't actually ever made a mi- literal mixed tape with a cassette mm-hmm. tape. For as long as songs have taken the form of MP3s that I could burn to CDs, mm-hmm. I've enjoyed making mix CDs. Uh-huh, agreed. But that is out of fashion now. It is. And also, I mean, I think that we'll maybe talk about this, but the mix tape and the mix CD um, also had a limit, right? True. And that is going to differ from what we're talking about. Yes, but not unlike... So so I've kind of taken some of those restrictions beyond... The medium of a tape or a CD, uh-huh. in 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 much the same way that, for example, we're still using the old um, layout of a keyboard that was designed specifically for typewriters. Yeah, so that the keys didn't jam. Yes, I'm going to talk about. That's why we don't use Dvorak. I'm going to talk about number of tracks, and the number of tracks is very much linked to what you would expect to find on an album. Even okay. though I'm not making an album, I'm making okay. a mix. Uh huh. So when I say that I making a when I'm making a mix, 
what I have in mind is it's a, a curated list of tracks. Okay. That's created with a specific audience in mind. Uh-huh. I'm not doing it just for myself and throwing together my current favorite songs. Mm-hmm. I'm doing it to gift it to a person or maybe a small group of people, or maybe I'm making it for an occasion. Right. There's like yeah. a particular a party, context. An event. And therefore, all the tracks have like a theme. Uh-huh. And so maybe the person I'm giving it to is a friend. And it's their birthday or like they're, you know, one of us is going away or something. Or maybe historically, like it's a person that I have a crush on. Uh And so I'm putting in various unsubtle subtleties in the songs that I choose Uh to allude to my feelings, Uh uh, et cetera, et cetera. uh, The the only other example I can think of is one time I, I made a mix for a class that you were in with me, I believe. Oh, yeah. Um, because first our professor created a track list for the class. Was this a Randy class? It was. I mean, it had to be only Randy. Hello, Randy, our beloved Randy Robertson. Only you, my love, would make a playlist. Yes. I was being vague, but you've taken it to a less vague place. So I will also be less vague. Uh, Randy made a, uh, track list for, the uh, skepticism class and he oh, posted it uh, yeah. to his blog and i thought oh that's neat i think i can do better god he was so cool and, i mean he's and, still cool but sure in that class specifically oh yeah great class memorable class uh and then i made my own skepticism playlist and uh bested his <laughs> and, and everyone thought so <laughs> Well, except me, because I don't remember this specifically. One person, one person told me. Oh, okay. Was it Dana? One, no. <laughs> no, it was someone who, like, it actually meant something from. Oh, that's nice. Because they were not, like, a close friend. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, so that's uh, that's that's what we're going to be talking about, is, is my philosophy uh, for making a mix. And I'm going to uh, talk about that in the abstract a little bit, but mainly I'm going to demonstrate it. Because I've made a mix for today. Can I can I give a quick baseline of the one time I did make a mixtape? Yes, please. Um, so when I was 17 in February of 2006, I had just gotten my license. And um, I was allowed the use of my father's car for about two weeks. He presented it at the time as a gift, like, you can use my car to drive around because you just got your license, which I thought was great. I later learned he he himself did not have his license. So, <laughs> well, it was very kind of him to just let me use his car. He also was not using it himself. And so, mm. um, oh, it wasn't, it was like a month. It was like a full month that I had this car. And mm. this was happening, this happened in the exact time period of when I broke up with my first boyfriend, Ben. Mm. And then a week later... Um, started dating my friend who's now my friend and he was in my wedding. So this all worked out, uh, uh, in terms of being friendly, not in terms of us dating, uh, my friend Jeremy. (laughs) And, Mm. uh, so I used the car to drive to, uh, it was a Ford. It was a green Ford Taurus. It had been my grandmother's car. She had died when I was 12. I mm-hmm. used this car to drive to Ben's house to break up with him, to drive mm. to my friend Abby's house to cry about the fact that I had broken up with him, even though I really wanted to break up with him. Mm. And then I then used this car to drive Jeremy home from musical practice and mm-hmm. then wheedle my way into his house mm. so I could uh make out with him. 
Sure. By telling him a poem, because that's who I was in 2006. Telling him a poem. Miles and miles, she said. I've been miles uh-huh. and miles yeah. from home for a long time mm-hmm. now. Are you going to kiss me or what? Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, and so it worked. And then um, <sighs> I made him. Th- so I broke up with Ben on, Val- on, on February 7th. Oh, which is actually my anniversary with Kenny. <laughs> and then <laughs> Liz has a disgusted look on her face as she is realizing this in the moment. Because one week later was was Valentine's Day, and that's um, I went to this like Valentine's Day performance with Jeremy, and I made him for Valentine's Day a mixtape. Ah. I had gone to Goodwill and gotten some a uh, like a grab bag of um, tapes, one of which was <laughs> amazingly Elliot Smith's Figure Eight. And so I was listening to that, driving through the cold, dark February, you know, Mm -hmm. having just broken up and sort of falling in love, but just being kind of sad because it was so cold. Mm -hmm. And then there was also a CD on there that I, or uh, not a CD, a cassette on there that I could write on. Mm -hmm. And so I recorded from CDs um, a mixtape for Jeremy that had... Um, a bunch of songs that I thought were meaningful. I couldn't tell yeah. you what they were, but I all thought I think that they. I all thought they were meaningful. Um, and then um, we would, when we were driving around in my car, that was my dad's car. We would listen to that because he never actually took it from me because he was like, "I don't have a cassette player. We'll just listen to it in your car." And then three weeks later, he made out with Nicole uh, at the uh, cast party and broke up with me. Mm-hmm. And then we had a tumultuous relationship for nine months. I got MRSA. He realized that he would be terrified if I had died because I had been in the hospital and we haven't had a fight since. Yeah, and uh, and it all had to do with a mixtape. And it all, it really, really, a large part of this centered around, at least for me emotionally at the time, centered around both that mixtape and figure eight by Elliot Smith. Cool. Well, okay, so before we get into the, the mix that I've made for this occasion, mm-hmm. just very quickly and briefly... Uh, some quote-unquote rules that make up or start to make up my philosophy on making a mix. Uh, first off, know your audience. Uh, track number one, it might be best if it is something that they already recognize. Oh. I think of it as the acclimating track. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't uh, always go this way, but I uh, historically have tried to go this way Especially when I'm making a mix for someone who I'm like just starting to get to know, not mm-hmm. someone who I've like known forever. Right. So it's like, oh, track one is like, oh, I I know this. I already know I like this. Mm-hmm. So that's that's. Guess a good, I can still trust Will. Sets a good precedent for what's to follow. Um. Okay. We. I said we were going to talk about number of tracks. Right. Absolute minimum, ten tracks. Fair. I accept. My. Preferred numbers are 12 mm-hmm. or 15. Okay. Uh, I like it when uh, the track number is evenly div- divisible by three. Uh-huh. That creates a kind of superstructure in my mind mm-hmm. where uh, it's like each mix has like three acts. Right. So like in a 12-track mix, each act is four tracks. And mm-hmm. in a 15-track mix, each act is five tracks. Yeah. And then uh, finally, the only hard and fast rule. This is this is like this is the only thing that I will abide by. Like every time 
I'm engaging in this activity. Mm -hmm. Track number three is the important track. Oh, really? And that's important with a capital I and track with a capital T. Uh And since you and I are of the generation that invented, you know, tone through written language. Right. You understand that what I mean by those capital letters is that I'm being like a little bit tongue in cheek when I say it's the important track. But Uh basically, it's like if the if the mix has a thesis statement, then it's going to it's got to be in that third slot. Got it. So um, that's uh, yeah, that's that's the big picture. Mm-hmm. And now let's let's dive in. Unless you have any questions before we do, let's let's dive into the nitty gritty. I don't. So I will <clears throat> say, um, Will has made this mix this playlist on YouTube. Yep. Um, we are going to um, listen to it, and um, we will also provide you with the playlist in the show notes. Right. We exactly. are both listening to it. I, for this, the purposes of this podcast, got my free trial of YouTube Premium. Yes. So we are listening to this without ads. So if you're listening along, um, mm-hmm. know that we're doing it without ads. I suppose that if hypothetically these songs, which I'm not really looking at that closely, so I don't, because I just pulled up the playlist, but I haven't started it yet. Let, let me stop you. Uh, we're we're gonna we're gonna take breaks in between. Oh, we are. Never mind. Yeah. Then. So I'm gonna say exactly what we're listening to, where we are. Great. So you can follow we'll, along then. Exactly. So yeah, this we're doing a little bit of an experiment here. Uh-huh. We're gonna listen to something while we record. Okay. I've created this. Liz has not heard it. Yes. Up to this point. Nor have I even looked at it until this moment where I'm not really looking at it. I just have it pulled up. Liz does not know what tracks are on this mix. I've created this mix for an audience primarily of Liz <laughs> and secondarily of the Goslings. Oh, our Goslings. Because it is a The Smug Buds themed mix. Okay. There are 15 tracks. There is a track per episode of this podcast. Wow, Will. So... I feel like you've done a lot of math in season two that I have not done. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is a glimpse into how my brain works. Uh-huh. So uh as as every as most as some episodes are supposed to be, the episodes that are about me, not you. Uh-huh. Um okay, so um on a on a real professional podcast, as opposed to a a good podcast, which this is, <laughs> on a on a professional podcast when the hosts uh, listen to a song you, the listener, would hear the song. Yes. But we're not a professional podcast. We're a yes. good podcast. Uh-huh. So uh, you won't hear it while we're hearing it. Uh, I would encourage you to play along at home if you are not listening in the car or while you're you know, doing a hands-on activity. If you have nothing better to do, I would encourage you to jump onto a computer or you know, smart device or whatever. Go to our website, smugbuds.com. Smugbuds.com. Go to the page for this episode, (laughs) scroll down to the show notes, click on that link to this YouTube playlist, and when we are going to listen to the first track, I'm going to do a little three, two, one countdown, and then we're going to hit play, Mm -hmm. and then I'm going to let the song breathe for just the briefest of moments. And in that time, Liz, if you have a gut reaction, I encourage you to share it. Okay. Otherwise, 
I'm going to start talking about my thought process for why I chose this track. Great. I'm going to talk over it so that the podcast is not several chunks of dead air (laughs) over and over again. And then when the song is over, pause it. Uh because we might not be ready to move on to the next one. So we will repeat the countdown process for each track. Okay. And with any luck, this will be the greatest Greatest podcast of all time. Of Yes, any podcast in the long-storied history of podcasting. Mark Maron, get out of (laughs) here. Yeah. (laughs) Paul F. Tompkins, be damned. (laughs) No, Paul, really, we love you. No, that's my new approach. That's my new approach (laughs) to getting his attention. I'm starting a beef with him. No, 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 no. Down with PFT. No, PFT forever. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Maybe I'm starting a beef with you. (laughs) Okay, Liz, are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. Track number one in three, two, one, play. Okay. I don't, I, I don't, I don't think I know this person. Okay. So I haven't done the work of making this an acclimating track for you. I didn't, like I discussed before, I didn't deliberately pick something I knew you would know. Yeah. The song is Me and My Husband by Mitski. First of all, in this house, we stand a legend. Uh-huh. And that legend is Mitski. Uh-huh. So I had to put Mitski on here. Mitski is a classic example of an artist who I only know from uh, YouTube. Oh, that's not, interesting. Not that they're some kind of YouTube celebrity or mm-hmm. I love their videos, but just like they are, they have been in my YouTube recommendations because right. I use YouTube to listen to music a lot. And so... Uh-huh. I check out what it recommends to me. I learn about other bands and artists. That's how I know Mitski. I'm not such a fan that I actually know her albums, Mm -hmm. um, but I know I really like the music that I've heard. Mm -hmm. Uh, I really like her Twitter username. On Twitter, she is at MitskiLeaks, which I think is really funny and clever. so cute. Another reason I chose this, uh, well, I chose it for track one because... Uh, we started recording the podcast in the year 2018. Uh-huh. And so I thought, okay, the first track, it should be from 2018. So this Oh, is and a, this is a... also cute because it's called Me and My Husband, and mm-hmm. I'm your husband, your pod exactly. husband. Yes. Oh, so it's a, it's a dual reference. So the, the first episode of the podcast is about you giving birth. Mm-hmm. So the title, Me and My Husband, is a reference to you and Kenny because oh, yeah. you made Elliot. We did. But it's also Mostly a reference me. to... Yes, but also I'm the me and me and my husband Mm -hmm. because it's a reference to the podcast and I'm me and you're my pod husband. Yes. So me and my husband, we're doing better as as Mitski is singing right now. Oh. And I'm looking at my show notes. I've got annotations. I am pausing the video now so that it doesn't move on to the next track. Uh Uh-huh. And I think I have said everything that I have to say about this one. Amazing. I'm going to load up track two. I like how you say load up track two, like we're like like at a um not a call center, but one of those like boop 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 where people are like unplugging and replugging. <laughs> yes. Right. Like on Mad Men. What are they? Uh, switchboard. Switchboard. Called, yeah. Yes. I'm I'm taking one wire out of the switchboard and plugging <laughs> in another, and it's it's going to feed us track two. 
So, okay, track two of the Smug Buds mix in three, two, one, play. So, I should know this. Uh-huh. Uh, I know this name, but you know I, don't, the name of the group? I don't know this song. Do you, do you, do you just recognize the name or, yeah. or do you, yeah, it just a simple, like, oh, that's familiar. Is this a, is, what is this? Explain <laughs> this song to me. I will try, I will attempt to explain. Is this it. from my youth? Uh, it's, it, it's, it's, it's been around for a little while. Okay. Uh, track two on the mix is Awesome Forces by the Aquabats. And uh, episode two of the podcast was the first uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe episode. Mm. So to commemorate uh, an episode about superhero movies, I could only go to one source, and that is the the superhero band uh, that is the Aquabats. As they say in the lyrics of the chorus of this very song, they are your average ordinary superhuman punishers of evil rock and roll band. (laughs) And this is from their album Charge. Uh-huh. Which I listened to when it was new, which uh, I'm hoping that the it'll say on this YouTube page when this album came out. Oh, it, it says, says 2005. Uh, 2005, yeah. So I was 15 when this came out. Uh-huh. This was like the, this was the, I heard of the Aquabats because this album came out. So this was my introduction to them. And I really liked this album. And then I checked out more of their albums and I never enjoyed any of them as much. So Is to this- me... To me, are the Aquabats is like this one album charge. Is this like, are they like a punk band? I would, I don't know if you, 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 maybe you could call them that. I would call them first and foremost, they are like a novelty act. Okay. This just feels very like, this song feels very like two-steppy to me. Like specifically like I'm dancing. And when I say two-step, I feel like two-step has a lot of connotations. I'm like, like dancing by putting my right foot forward and my left shoulder forward and then twisting and okay. like going in a circle, like in a pit. Could could you perhaps skank to this song? Possibly, yeah. But I don't yeah. think it's exactly ska either. It's There's not no exactly ska, but... It's like I, ska if there weren't horns, which is why I sort of went to punk. Yes, okay, that totally makes sense, yes. I, I, I went through a big ska phase. It was like the first phase that I ever went through oh, bless in terms you. of music that I enjoyed. I I, spe- I enjoyed this one ska band in particular, Five Iron Frenzy. Mm-hmm. It was my first favorite band. Oh. I'm pausing the track now because it's about to fade out. Yeah. Um. So uh, this song, Awesome Forces, it's the last song on that album charge so it's like kind of their like calling card like big hip hip hurrah yeah um they i said they're a novelty act because they like you know they wear costumes like it's Mm. not just for their album art it's like they perform in these like superhero costumes that like all match and they're a superhero team quote-unquote right they're the aquabats and there's some crossover between like what they do like the music the the songs that they write are like so kid friendly that they like have gotten into like actual like children's entertainment. Oh, that's amazing! Like, like they're not the wig- they're not the Wiggles, uh-huh. but they they they're they're not you know specifically like just for kids. But like they they like they they work well enough in that demographic. Kind of similar to another band that we are going to hear later in this same mix. Okay. Um, but, uh, that other band that I'm referring to is, is not so much a novelty act, but they've done some, some, uh, 
work in the in the kids uh, entertainment demographic. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, oh, okay, before we move on to the next track, I'll just say briefly, um, sort of a B side. I'll mention two B sides actually, because um, I went through you know some drafting of this mix, mm-hmm. and things got cut and things got replaced. Um, for the first track, I was going to put in this song uh, by a band called Always, or maybe it's pronounced Always. I'm not sure because it's spelled with two V's, like okay. the title of that movie, The Witch, or yeah. is it The Vitch? Yeah. Um, like and Trich uh, is spelled with a V for some reason. Right, instead of a U. So this is two V's for a W in the word Always. Um, and they're a band whose songs I've heard on YouTube and I really like, and they have this song called Next of Kin. And I said, oh, Next of Kin, this is a good song. And the title Next of Kin makes me think of, you know, having a child. Yeah. And then I paid attention to the lyrics. Okay, that reminds me, that's another kind of a rule uh-huh. is like, make sure that you know the lyrics yeah, of you, the you songs. Don't, you don't have an afternoon delight situation like on Arrested Development. <laughs> that's, that's the perfect way of putting it. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so I almost got myself into an afternoon delight situation. <laughs> Until I looked up the lyrics to Next of Kin and I was like, oh, this is a cheery, upbeat song about like someone drowning. (laughs) (laughs) So like, that's not appropriate. And then uh, the B side for this slot in the mix is um, I I thought for sure for a while that to commemorate episode two of the podcast that this song was going to be In the Garage by Weezer. Oh, uh uh-huh. Because that the lyrics to that song have a reference to two of my favorite X Men, and it's and it evokes the nostalgia that I was invoking when uh, or evoking when I was recalling like the superhero media that I grew up with before those particular movies came along. Yeah. But at some point, I decided that that song just wasn't superhero-y enough and it oh, had to be yeah. had to be more tied to the marvel movie more to stuff more the theme than the actual like reference right so that's right. when i remembered the aquabats and i from this same album charge i could have picked a song called stuck in a movie uh-huh. which maybe would have been more appropriate but this is just a better song sometimes you got to go with your gut yeah so that's how we landed on Awesome Forces. All right, getting ready to the bring on the next track. This is track three, a.k.a. the important track. Mm. In three, two, one, play. I have a lot of feelings about this band. Uh-huh. Uh, which is that I really only truly like one of their songs. Which is called Engine Driver. It is, you know. But this song is called... Better Not Wake the Baby, and it's by the Decemberists, one of my all-time favorite bands for a very long time. Yeah. I wish, and I, and I wish for the record that I liked this band, because this seems like a band, like, concept, it's like Watermelon. Conceptually, I'm all about Watermelon, but when it comes to actually eating it, it just doesn't cut it. Trader Joe's has dried Watermelon now. That sounds horrific. <laughs> <laughs> Watermelon's one of, the, like, the three things I don't like. Yeah, it's, food-wise. um... Mm. Anyway, uh, the Decemberists, uh, speaking of, of uh, ideas that I, I didn't go with, yeah. um, this this was going to be an episode all about the Decemberists. Oh, yeah. And I thought, like, I just, you know, I just wish, you know, if we were a professional podcast, then we would do it just like, for example, 
You Talking You Two to Me, the podcast with Adam Scott Ackerman, mm-hmm. or Are You Talking R.E.M. Remy, the other mm-hmm. podcast with Adam Scott Ackerman, <laughs> uh, where we would listen to the songs and the listener would hear the songs along with us. But, uh, you know, I, I, I don't want to get into trying to do that. So yeah. Then I remember. Then I thought of, oh, I could make a mix and talk about making a mix, and so uh, thought, you know, okay, that'll be more fun. I'm more willing to try that than to devote an episode to a band like the Decemberists. Yeah, pausing it right now, mm-hmm. and uh, so okay, so why this song? Yes, for why why this band? Because I like them so much, and because this is the important track, mm-hmm. and so they deserve to be in the most important slot. Yes, fair. Why this particular song? Um, it's very short. Yes, it is. One this minute, is, 45 seconds. This is track three for episode three of the podcast. Episode three of the podcast is our shortest episode of the podcast. Oh, wow. You really... And this And this is the shortest track on the mix for the uh-huh. podcast. And of course, you may remember episode three was the episode about amber teething necklaces. Yes, it was. Hence why I chose this song titled... Better not wake the baby. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Do I have any more notes on this? Um, I, I wrote desperation that leads people to amber teething necklaces now in song form. <laughs> Such a well note. Okay. That's all I have to say about that. Getting ready for track four. This is track four on the mix in three, two, one, play. Oh, yeah. Good bass. This is a band that I have um, listened to only ever casually. I think Kenny's actually listened to this band way more than me. Mm -hmm. Oh, but I see why you picked it. Yes. Can I say the name of this one? Please do. This song is Clemency for the Wizard King by the Mountain Goats. And the um, album art is a cool-ass dragon that's going fire onto a bunch of fucking sword people. Yeah, because the name of the album is In League with Dragons. This is the brand new uh album by the Mountain Goats. This oh, wow. is the this like is April the April new- 25th brand new of this That's year. That's right. That's right. It's it's only like a month old uh, or uh, two or three months when people are hearing the episode. Huh. This is the newest track on this mix. And this album has sort of been referenced by the podcast before mm. uh, when uh, news broke that this album was uh, going to be coming out in uh, early 2019. Uh, the news was the Mountain Goats is releasing an album based on Dungeons and Dragons. Right. And NPR covered that story and referred to Dungeons and Dragons as... A board game. Right. And you were like, no, no, no. Tabletop and then, game. Yes. They had to issue a correction that said Dungeons and Dragons is actually a, a tabletop uh, role-playing game. Mm-hmm. And then you, because you're in charge of our social media, uh, retweeted this. Uh, it happily happened uh, right in between the release of episodes three and four of our podcast. Yes, it did. Episode four of the Smug Buds was uh, my episode about tabletop games. And so uh, basically songs from this album have been trickling out. 
So first, they released a track called Younger. And so I put that song in this slot on the mix. Mm -hmm. And then they released a song called Cadaver Sniffing Dog. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wow, I like this way more. (laughs) So I put that in the mix. Then they released a song called Sicilian Crest. Good song, but not so good that it overtook Cadaver Sniffing Dog. Okay. And then the album came out, and Mm -hmm. I listened to the whole album. Oh, you did? Yes. I bought it on day one. Uh Um, I I, Pausing the YouTube video now. um, I alluded earlier to how I mostly listen to songs on YouTube, and I don't listen to albums very much. But there are a few exceptions, and this is one exception. I was very, I I like the Mountain Goats a lot. I don't necessarily buy every Mountain Goats album, Mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. you tell me the Mountain Goats have written an album about Dungeons and Dragons. (laughs) Like, I'm there there. day one. (laughs) So I bought the album, I listened to it. First impression was, yeah, this song, Clemency for the Wizard King rules (laughs) i love it so much and it's been a couple of weeks so maybe we're still kind of in that first impressions phase or maybe we're Uh a little beyond that now and it's still my favorite track on the album nice here's my broad strokes overview of the whole album we were sold an album about dungeons and dragons Uh uh-huh hmm (laughs) listen to the whole album now and it's something interesting and kind of clever yeah it's not entirely a D&D concept album Mm -hmm. it's partially that and partially it's something else which I think gives a double meaning to the title In League with Dragons and I'm sure I, I didn't read this I came up with it but I'm sure that I'm not the only person who came up with this interpretation, I think it's very easy to arrive at mm-hmm. because I think the songs that aren't, you know, obviously about D and D are about like, um, addiction and like uh, I see. Be- uh-huh. being a musician and, and in particular, like a, a guy who like gets fucked up a lot. Yeah. And so it's like, oh, it's okay. So I guess that's kind of like a chasing the dragon sort of a reference. And so it's like, okay, you can tie these two themes together, D&D, which, you know, maybe you're making some kind of a connection about like playing a role, uh, blah, blah, blah. So I was excited to hear a bunch of D&D songs. And then so I was a little unhappy, but I still love the Mountain Goats and I'm still happy I bought the album. Nice. And uh, as as they say, worth uh, they, the uh, what's the expression? Worth the price of admission. Th- yeah. This this song, uh, "Clemency for the Wiz- Wizard King." I would pay nine ninety nine just for that song. I nice. love it so much. Um, let's see if I have anything else in my notes. Oh, just I'll just this is not in my notes, but I'll just say this one brief thing. A uh, other thing about the Mountain Goats. Because you were saying that you kind of only you sort only sort of know their music. Yeah, I've definitely listened to their songs before, but I couldn't I couldn't name a single one. Yeah, and I'm not such a super fan that I know their whole career and they've and I've been there since the beginning because like they have a lot of albums and yeah. and I I only know some of them, but I have seen 
kind of okay I, okay i'm going all over the place now <laughs> too many things are popping into my head sorry let's just take them one at a time one when we were in undergrad we recorded a podcast together we did yeah you were a guest on my podcast i know and uh i we have pictures from that too which is so sweet yes it's on our twitch page um <laughs> twitch.tv slash smug butts uh clearly will made the twitch page if that's not obvious that's true um we on on my podcast uh back then i did a segment called you know what's good and in one <laughs> one episode where you are were the guest um the category was music mm-hmm. and i said what was good was the song no children by the mountain goats oh yeah uh-huh. and i was right Recently, kind of recently, I think it was last fall, uh, I saw the Mountain Goats live. They came here to Tucson. Awesome show. Mm -hmm. No Children was their closer. Oh, wow. In a way where it was like they they performed it with a lot of energy. Mm -hmm. And it was great. But also, just based on everything that had come before it, it was sort of obvious that like there might be a sense of obligation here. Yeah. It's like when I saw the Pixies and Where Is My Mind was their closer. Yeah. It's like they had to, you know. Or like how Dashboard Confessional will always, always, always end with hands down. Sure. <laughs> and he will say, that guy, Chris Caraba, will say, this is a song about the best night of my life. Though I hope to God he's had a better night since then. <laughs> <laughs> since like 2001. Yikes. Uh, hell of a year to have a best night of your life. Um, oh my God, okay. Will! <laughs> what? <laughs> continue, continue. <laughs> um, as I was saying, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, oh, oh, do you remember what you said was good when we recorded that podcast? No, I don't. What did I say, dear, dear God? What did I say? You said I just learned about this new genre of music from my brother Blake. Have oh, you heard dubstep. Of it? It's called dubstep. <laughs> God, I do still listen to dubstep sometimes. That shit makes me feel like my brain's melting. Yeah. Well, lucky for us and our listeners, this is not a mix commemorating the young cast. Mm-hmm. So there's no dubstep music. There's this no is young a, buds. A, this is a, a, a we're, we're, yeah, not, not such a young bud anymore. And this mix is for the smug buds. Okay. The other thing. Okay. So yes. Uh, the other thing about podcasts and the mountain goats, uh-huh. this podcast that we're doing right now in my mind, not, not in yours, because you, I don't think you're familiar with this, but for me, this podcast owes a great debt to a now defunct podcast called Don't Get Me Started. Oh, yeah. I've never heard of them. I started listening to it a couple of years ago, and then right around the time I started listening, they stopped making it. Oh, I love that. Yeah. So that was disappointing, but I had their archive to go through, and- mm. It was a it was a real like oh I will listen to it depending on who the guest is kind of podcasts. Right, I, I yeah. didn't love the hosts so much that I listened to every episode. Mm-hmm. I picked and chose based on guests and also topics because mm-hmm. the premise of Don't Get Me Started, which is similar to the premise of it, it's basically the premise of this podcast but with guests. Okay, got it. It was it, it was two hosts. And they would have a guest on and mm-hmm. the guest would be there, even though all of their guests were from the world of show business, they were not there to talk about entertainment or anything related to it. They were there to talk about 
one particular thing that they loved and they had a lot to say about. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Okay. So sometimes I would see a topic and be like, oh, I'll listen to that topic. Or sometimes I'd see a guest and regardless of what they were bringing to the table, I'm like, I love that person. I'll listen to that episode. This is Paul F. Tompkins going to listen no matter what because he's the best. There was, I unfortunately, I don't think there's a Paul F. Tompkins episode of that podcast, but it's been a while since I listened to it. And no, maybe I'm just, I'm, I'm just praising Paul F. Tompkins again. No, there should be. There absolutely, it absolutely is from that LA comedy okay, world. Okay, got it. And a, a lot of people you would know from Earwolf were on it. For example, mm-hmm. I have listened to maybe like 20 ish episodes of, um, don't get me started out of, you know, dozens and, or maybe even hundreds. I'm not mm-hmm. sure. But in my, just from my limited knowledge, by far the best episode for me was this great convergence of like perfect topic for me, perfect guest. The guest is Sean Clements, who uh-huh. is one of the hosts of Hollywood Handbook, right? Which is for my money, you know, like pound for pound, the funniest podcast. Mm-hmm. And the topic was the Mountain Goats. Ah, and and so if you if you care about the Mountain Goats at all, I highly recommend. You look up the podcast, don't get me started. Find the Sean Clements episode where he talks about the mountain goats. I learned a lot about the mountain goats from listening to that episode. Ready for the next track? I'm ready for the next track. Track five of the mix in three, two, one, play. Did you tell me about this song? I can't recall if I ever did. If you didn't, I think Kenny made me listen to this song recently, actually. Because that it's would very be silly. Yes, I would love to know why Kenny knows about it. it. Okay, do you mind if I briefly bring in a guest bud for this question? You could do you could do that. Yes, you could Hey Kenny. Do you know the song Guests Are Fun? Kites are Kites fun. Kites are fun. Yes. Track okay, five. No, it was you. It was you then. Okay. I I don't even remember doing that, but yeah, track five is Kites Are Fun by The Free Design. You had me listen to the song because it's so silly. But that's why I thought it was maybe Kenny, because Kenny knows about all these weird-ass, like, 1960s songs. Episode 5 was the Rupee Core episode right. of our podcast. And uh, apologies to Rupee Core. She's been ripped off enough without having to be compared to the content of this song <laughs> and the spirit of this song. But uh, the sad fact remains is, Ruby Core, you drew a kite <laughs> in the, in the quote unquote, in one of the quote unquote poems that you read, the one that mm-hmm. goes, uh, let it go, let it leave, yep. blah, blah, blah. Yep. It was a drawing center, of center. a kite. Yes, it was. This kite's a lot better on this yep. album. Uh, and I learned about this song, Kites Are Fun, from listening to another podcast. Um, the, uh, the, the, uh, behind the paywall version of a, a, a podcast called Who Charted. Mm-hmm. On Who Charted, they go through the top songs and the top movies of the week. And then they have bonus episodes called Who Charted Preem Stream. And that is like a curated, like they just listen to what the host wants to listen to. Nice. And a very early episode of Preem Stream was all about this band from uh, the 1960s uh, called The Free Design. And one of the songs they covered was Kites Are Fun. <laughs> and uh, it is, uh, it's an earworm. 
It's this is uh, yeah. The song is so silly. I mean, the song sounds fake. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes. It sounds yeah, like it, a song that somebody made to make a song that sounded like it was from 1967. It sounds like a parody. I'm pausing yeah. the YouTube video now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it absolutely sounds like a parody of a song written from this era. Uh, it's wonderful. It's lovely. It is the end of Act One uh, since it was Track Five out of fifteen. Mm-hmm. And now we're moving on to Act Two with Track Six. Track Six on the mix in three, two, one, play. Oh, okay. This so this is a person that I have absolutely not listened to, but I know a lot of people that I love very dearly love. Same. Uh, track six on the mix is Suspirium by Tom York. Episode six of the podcast was our Oscars spectacular. Spectacular. So it stands to reason that I felt that for this slot, I had to pick a song from a movie from last year. Uh-huh. So I had a lot of good options and I could have gone with something upbeat and fun that I mm-hmm. really like. Like maybe a song by Boots Riley from Sorry to Bother You, which won the William for Best Original Screenplay. Mm -hmm. Uh, Or maybe a a song from the soundtrack to uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. A lot of fun tracks on that soundtrack. Uh Um, But, um, and and I might have done that if if the actual Oscars themselves had turned out a little differently. Right. Um, but of course, uh, thinking back to the last Oscars and this moment on the podcast, this, this was a moment where first I did not do as well as I would have liked predicting the nominees. Mm -hmm. And then on Oscar night, I did not do as well as I would have liked predicting the winners. Yes. And, um, part of the reason is that green book won best picture, Mm -hmm. which was bad news in a lot of people's minds. Yeah. So I decided to go with a very somber song. Uh-huh. Uh, from a soundtrack that I do not particularly like. Oh, really? Um, I have grown to actually really appreciate it. But this is from the film Suspiria, uh, which I referenced in that episode of the podcast because yeah. the William Award winner for Best Supporting Actor was Lutz Ebersdorf, yes. a fake person uh, portrayed by Tilda, Tilda Swinton. Swinton. And uh, I really like that movie, but if you look at my letterboxed review of Suspiria, which is a four-star review, mm-hmm. you'll see that the first line is, uh, I did not care for that Tom York music. <laughs> um, for for as long as there have been uh, algorithms that recommend music to me, going back to, say, for instance, Pandora, mm-hmm. um, I've had Radiohead recommended to me by the machines yes by the, by the by the titular okay computers yes uh for for uh, a long time and i've never been able to get into radiohead okay well i feel like so relieved <laughs> that you're saying that because ah. i have also tried so many times to like radiohead mhm and i just can't it's another watermelon situation i have just tried and tried (laughs) and my favorite radiohead song is actually their sesame street song 
pausing the uh, YouTube video. I didn't uh, know Radiohead did something for Sesame Street. So they did a um, they did a ses. I'm gonna find um, what the, I mean. They're parodying when their own songs. Okay. Um, but this comes up a lot when I am, um, when I am uh, like listening with to things with Elliot. Right. Um. Oh, of course, I. I wrote in my letterboxed review that the only good of, of Suspiria, <laughs> that um, that the only good radio song, the only good Radiohead song is the one that Dan Harmon ad-libbed on his podcast, Harmontown, uh-huh. which is basically uh, him going, uh, I got a radio head. <laughs> it, was, it was just him riffing on his opinion that like... Uh, the name Radiohead like suggests a totally different genre of music. Like it suggests like hair metal I'm... rather than what Radiohead actually is. Okay, so I take that back. I don't like any Radiohead song. <laughs> it was REM that I'm thinking of. Oh no. That is on Sesame Street. They have a song called Happy Furry Monsters. <laughs> Right, instead of shiny, happy people. Happy uh, furry monsters feeling glad. That's cute. So do you feel about R.E.M. the way you feel about Radiohead? Yeah, or? I feel exactly the same and confuse oh. them, clearly. Interesting. <laughs> I can get more into R.E.M. than Radiohead, but I'm not surprised to hear you say that because R.E.M. is a huge influence on the Decemberists. And we oh, know God, how course. you feel about the Decemberists. You're lukewarm on them, whereas yeah. I'm a big fan. Okay, so anyway, in conclusion, track six is the punishment track on the mm-hmm. mix. <laughs> uh, because uh, I failed so badly in my Oscars predictions and uh, the Academy failed so badly uh, giving Green Book Oscars and right. also Bohemian Rhapsody. Oh, bless. Uh, moving on. Track seven from the mix in three, two, one, play. And this is me kind of, uh, can I say, taking the piss uh, out of Tom York a, a little bit. I. <laughs> You, you might, so, so this is not a rule, but this is a, a, a trope of some of, uh, the, my mix making is that I, I do like jarring transitions and yes. I do, I do like, uh, alternating, uh, between modes. Mm-hmm. So track five was the very silly kites are fun. Yes. And then track six was the extremely <laughs> morose downtrodden suspirium. Uh huh. And then track seven is the other slice of bread in that sandwich, which is Tom Collins by the Sloppy Boys. Yes. Episode seven of the podcast was your misheard episode Mm -hmm. about your uh, history of uh, mondegreens and Mm -hmm. eggcorns. And when you turned the spotlight on me and asked me for an example from my life, the only one I could think of was a very recent one, which was this song. Look at it, I really like this song. I sing it in the shower sometimes. It's very catchy. It's very hard to understand, particularly the first verse. Yes. Like the lyrics are really easy to understand, except the way that it starts. Yes. And uh, like we covered already in that episode, uh, they're not saying anything about the restaurant Buca de Beppo. Yes. They're saying, I sent a Venmo to Bevmo. Venmo to, to Bevmo. Say, to say thanks for the suds. I also have a related misheard situation with oh, yeah. this uh, band, oh. which is oh, that Tim, with Tim Kalpakis. 
Yes, because I thought Tim Kalpakis was, um, oh God, what is his name? Um, was Alan McCloyd, mm-hmm. McLeod. Alan McLeod. Uh, Alan, okay. yes. AKA Molasses Boy. Molasses Boy? Yeah. That, it, you, if you listen to the Doughboys podcast, also one of the funniest podcasts, you you would know that uh, his nickname was Molasses Boy. I think his football coach gave him that nickname, if so, I remember the story correctly. So I know him as mm. the uh, reciter of Twas the Night Before Christmas on Drunk History, when Drunk History oh. was still a YouTube-only sure. situation. I forgot Ken- about that video because at the time that was by far their worst. Yes, it was. It's Kenny's favorite because at least, <laughs> um, at least the one part where he gets it wrong and he goes, and Kenny quotes that, which is not really something you can quote. Yeah. <laughs> and then he was, of course, on You're the Worst. Yes, which and, but, I haven't watched, but you have because Janet Varney is in it. And she is perfect and beautiful pausing the youtube video um so yeah so it's not alan mcleod it's tim kalpakis and the other two sloppy boys are mike hanford and jeff dutton and uh these three uh handsome young men are uh uh, la uh comics and performers Mm -hmm. and writers and they are uh, all three of them part of a larger sketch group called the birthday boys who had a show on the IFC network for two seasons called The Birthday Boys, mm-hmm. where they did sketches with um, uh, Bob Odenkirk, was like a producer of the show and appeared on it a lot. And it's really funny. And uh, so they put out this album called Lifelong Vacation last mm-hmm. year. And they're also kind mm-hmm. of a novelty act because they're kind of writing comedy songs. Right. But not in like a lonely island kind of a way. Yeah, not in a this song is has a punchline and every right. line is supposed to be funny and Exactly. And it yes. maybe even has a turn. They they don't write joke songs. They write like kind of funny songs. Yeah, silly songs. Yeah, silly songs. Yes. Very well put. Silly sloppy songs. Uh okay, um let's move on from that. Track eight on the mix in three two, one, and anyone who knows Rick and Morty could have seen this coming. Mm. Episode eight was the Rick and Morty episode of the podcast. Track eight is for the damaged Coda by Blonde Redhead, but Rick and Morty fans would know this song as the evil Morty theme because it plays, it plays over, uh, the ending of two episodes and mm-hmm. both episodes, spoiler alert, both episodes basically end with the same reveal mm-hmm. that like, oh, that Morty is an evil Morty. Mm-hmm. Um, This, uh, I almost, I so I said on the Rick and Morty episode, one of the things I really like about Rick and Morty is the songs that they pick. Yeah. Um, But um, contrary to what you might think based on the nature of the show, a lot of the great songs they pick are um, like sad as hell. 
Oh, absolutely. Like, yeah. That's they what pick makes them, them for the devastating is, moments. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So you've got like look on down by the bridge by Mazzy star, which is mm-hmm. great. And it's an awesome moment on the show, but like, I'm not going to put that on the mix. It's like too much of a downer. Yeah. Same, same goes for, um, hurt by, they used the, uh, nine inch nails version, not the yeah. Johnny cash version. Uh, the song that I wanted to use a little bit more than this song mm-hmm. was a song that was written for the show. Yeah. Which is called Goodbye Moon Men. Goodbye Moon Men. Which was uh, performed by uh, Jermaine Clement from Flight of the Concords uh-huh. when he was a, a guest uh, on the on the program. Um, but uh, uh, as much as I, I really, I scoured YouTube and every video of that song, Goodbye Moon Men, that I could find, ended with a line by Rick. Oh. Just a spoken line of dialogue from the show. And it just, like, totally ruined it for me. Right, okay. So if I could find a YouTube video without that, uh, you would probably be listening to Goodbye Moon Men. But just as good um, is uh, this, you know, more uh, instrumental, except for... Uh, the, the first comment on this video is actually hey for the ones who want the lyrics here they are ah, ah yeah <laughs> 2.9 thousand uh, likes i'm pausing it now yeah um that's a cool song i like that yeah. song i like um, that too and uh yeah i wrote in my notes kind of cool to include a song that doesn't have does, that doesn't really have lyrics yeah that's a that's a change of pace for the mix and for any mix that I create because mm-hmm. if you haven't figured it out already, I haven't really you know explicitly stated that like when I'm picking these songs, I'm picking them m- m- maybe sixty to seventy percent for the lyrics. Yeah, agreed. Um, I'm really paying attention to them and like they have some kind of a you know verbal Meaning. connection to yeah exactly yeah. what I'm going for. Okay, track nine in three, two, one, play. Oh my god! Uh huh. What is is this? Liz is reacting to a very deep, almost robotic voice saying, "A specter is haunting Europe." Does that mean anything to you? No. What the hell is this song? This video, by the way, has two hundred and ten views. Yeah, this is a uh, this is I think what they call a deep cut. <laughs> uh, a specter is haunting Europe is how um, the Communist Manifesto starts. Oh Jesus! Okay. And this song is called. I read Zom- the Communist Manifesto. Okay, well, this song is called Zombies Manifesto, mm. and it's by a group called Zombies Organize. Yes, from their only album called Before It's Too Late. And uh, From this 2008. Out, yeah, this came out in 2008, which seems late to me in my memory. Because, mm-hmm. like, I feel like I must have been like right on the pulse. Because, like, I, I, I was listening to this. I think like end of high school, beginning of college. Well, that would be 2008. It yeah. was 2008. But if you asked me like before, I looked and saw it was 2008. If you asked me cold. Yeah. I would have said I was listening to this earlier than that. That's it. Well, maybe they released tracks or something from it. I I was racking my brain trying to remember how I know 
this album. And my best guess is somehow I discovered it on MySpace. MySpace. Because well, oh, uh, uh, you, you, you knew I was going to say that? I knew you were going to say that because there was a time where, you know, MySpace was strange for social media because one of, you know, everybody had like a MySpace or whatever, but truly one of its main functions was that bands could put up four songs. Right. And so there were a lot of bands that put up um, new songs from their albums before they came out. Um, and so you'd hear them on MySpace first. And sometimes if you were me, you know, have a full complete understanding of that song before the mm-hmm. album came out. And we'll right. be talking about this more ne- on next week's episode. Yes. Um, but like I listened to, like there were brand new songs that I had fully memorized before the album came out. And it was purely because of MySpace. Mm-hmm. So, so you, I, that's why I feel like you must have found them on MySpace yes. somehow and then listened to them on MySpace and then mm-hmm. their album actually came out. <laughs> I think that that is right. I think that's what happened. I just can't remember how I arrived at their MySpace. Mm-hmm. But just by some happy, random happenstance of exploring the internet in my boredom, I must have found their MySpace, listened to their songs, thought this is really funny and catchy. Yeah. They're, I believe, in my opinion, their crowning achievement is a song called I Like Turtles. Mm-hmm. So the, the so the whole album has like kind of a zombie theme. Right. So like the first track is called Trioxin, and it's just a bunch of references to the uh, movie Return of the Living Dead. Uh-huh. But then the best track, I think... Is I like turtles? Which did you ever see a video? Oh yeah, from- I like turtles. Yes, the kid and what yeah. is he? What's his face paint? Oh yeah, he's like a zombie. He's supposed to be a zombie. Yeah, and so zombies organized who are writing these like zombie themed songs like took the audio from that video of like you hear the whole thing if you listen to that song you hear the whole (laughs) video from start to finish and then it repeats with like a beat coming in under it oh my god then they come in and they're they're doing this like looping and sampling and it's really funny in my opinion um i didn't pick that track because you know i'm not just picking my favorite stuff. It's for the podcast. Right. And, yes. th- you know, like the reference to the Communist Manifesto implies, this is simply the most leftist song that I could think of. Uh-huh. And, and you know, 10 years later or whatever, I genuinely do still like listening to this album, even though it's like <laughs> very silly. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, but also like it's, it's a real, like it's a real snapshot in time. Like if you listen, if you go back and listen to the lyrics of this, uh, song, uh-huh. it's a, it's a lot of shit talking, um, specific, like specific people. And it's like, oh, it's like, this is, this is not timeless it's you know that they're they're naming like uh condoleezza rice and uh you know the people who were in power at the time uh and th- that we knew about at least well, uh, i'm glad you didn't choose um brick by ben folds five <laughs> yeah um so just one quick thing so there's this show on netflix it's been there a while. It was just dropped and who cared? Uh, as far as I know, nobody called the characters. Mm-hmm. And the yes. premise, 
Do you know this? The, the yeah, primate? I watched the Lauren Lapkus episode and was you like, did. I cannot watch, keep watching the show. Like, I wanted to so badly and I just could not do it. I need to rewatch that because I watched, the, I only watched the Lauren Lapkus episode. Me too. Because I'm, I'm a fan. Yeah. And I thought, God, I wish this was the whole show. I wish that they would give her a show and it was just more of this because I thought it was so funny. Oh, I thought I just could not. I was just like, I know I sh- I'm, should be smarter than this and should know what's happening. And I just don't. The reason I brought it up is because the funniest sketch is the one in the strip club where she plays a stripper performing to Brick by Ben Folds. <laughs> You're right. Okay. Yes. Agreed. <laughs> it's re- It's funny. <laughs> Um, okay. What else? Oh yeah. Okay. One final little Easter egg that I have in my notes. Um, there's a, uh, a line in this song, uh, where they say rage infected monkey. Mm-hmm. And, uh, th- that's a reference to the film 28 days later, uh, yes. which is a zombie movie that you recently referenced on this uh, podcast. Yes. Have you watched it yet? Nope. <sighs> Sorry. Track 10 in three, two, one play. So this would be the end of act two of the mix. Yes. And episode, the end of season one. End of season one of the podcast. Uh, episode 10 was my episode about a video game called The Witness. A good video game. <laughs> this uh, song is called Definition of Good by They Might Be Giants. And... Uh, I said earlier that I'm paying attention to the lyrics and picking mostly for lyrical connections uh-huh. to the topics. And and uh, the lyrics to the song are basically uh, just listing things that are good, that are, in fact, the very definition of good. And one of those things is understanding a complicated puzzle. <laughs> so um. I wrote in my notes, because The Witness is a good video game. <laughs> So, um, this, we, we might be, or, um, they, uh, oh God, uh, they might might be be giants. giants. I always sing, um, we looked like giants (laughs) to, to the words, they might be giants to the tune of we looked like giants, but the death cap for cutie song. So I'll sing terrible and I hate that. They might be giants. Don't please don't put that in my head. (laughs) (laughs) Um, they might be giants kind of similar, uh, to my relationship with the mountain goats. Yeah. I love them, uh-huh. but they've been around for so long that I'm not such a super fan that I know all of their music. Right. I just know what I know and I really, really like what I know. Yeah. Also, uh, this is the connection that I was making earlier to the Aquabats. Earlier mm. when I said that the Aquabats, um, have gotten into children's entertainment they might be giants have done the same thing. Their music is like so, uh, you know, pausing the video, mostly uh, fun, uh, family friendly, kind of goofy. Um, they have uh, made entire albums for specifically for kids. Nice. Yeah, uh, something that uh, Elliot might enjoy one day. Yeah, I'll play something for him. Um. So, uh, yeah, that's you know, they might be giants. They have hundreds. And hundreds of songs. Um, so, you know, if you were ranking them, this probably wouldn't even make the top 50 or something yeah, crazy yeah. like that. But it's a very charming little song that yeah. I enjoy. And the puzzle lyric was what cemented it in uh-huh. this uh, slot for me. 
Moving right along to track 11 in three, two, one, play. Okay, so I said that there were 15 tracks, Mm -hmm. a track for each episode of the podcast. Right. But this episode that we're recording right now is episode 14. Yes. So I was thinking that I would do this episode a little earlier, and I was previously envisioning this as a 12-track mix Uh until I decided to expand it to 15. Okay. And so this track is the mailbag episode. Ah, I see. Okay. Or you could also think of it as the live from AWP special. Yes. And the track is Gridlock by Werewolf Disk Drive. Mm -hmm. And the uh, Gridlock is a reference to uh, my experience in the line at AWP, (laughs) uh, which I described in that episode of the podcast. Yes, in detail. Are you familiar? Have you heard of Werewolf Disk Drive? No, not at all. But this is delightful. You think you haven't. Oh, but, but you have no idea? This is the diary of Werewolf Disc Drive. <laughs> you have heard of Eric Elbogen? <laughs> I don't know if that's how you say his name. Uh, yeah, okay. But I know, you, I know you listen to every episode of the JV Club. Oh, I have. Because you stand a legend, and that legend is Janet Varney. The beautiful Janet Varney. It was, ep- it was episode like 300 or something monumental yeah. like that. Yeah, uh-huh. She had the guy from what she calls the amazing say hi on. Yeah. Eric yeah. L. Bogan or something oh, like that. Oh, okay. So in recent years, okay, so I'm a fan of that guy from way back. Yeah, from when not they to, were say hi to your mom. Exactly. Not to brag, not to be a hipster about it, but say hi used to be called say hi to your mom and I was listening to them then. And I, I, as a big fan with like all, all getting like all of their albums, mm-hmm. like and everyone since as they've come out, they put out he he put out uh, Eric put out four albums as Say Hi to Your Mom, yes. then changed the name of his shingle to Say Hi. Mm-hmm. And then I think it's rec- even, is it even the Say Hi? No, it's just Say Hi. It's just Say Hi. Okay, I'm, I'm 99.9% certain. Then, in more recent years, he announced, uh, say hi is no more. Oh. Sorry to disappoint the fans, but, you know, no more say hi music. And then, not too long after that, he came back with another announcement. Hey, uh, I've got a new project with a new name. Mm Mm-hmm. It's the name of the group and the name of the self-titled album, and that is Werewolf Disc Drive. Amazing. And not only is it a band and a self-titled album, but also it's kind of, it's more than a concept album. It's like a concept project. Wow. Okay, bro. Where, like, okay, bro. He, he wrote these like little like sort of fiction things that he would like post on Facebook and on his website. Uh-huh. That basically created like a lore for Werewolf Disk Drive. That's amazing. And the lore was that Werewolf Disk Drive was like an old CPU (laughs) that that like gained sentience. Oh my god! I just paused the video, by the way. Uh And the and the goal and 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 the goal of Werewolf Disk Drive was to to, (laughs) in the way that an algorithm might create the 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 songs that that humans would enjoy the most Uh 
<laughs> so this song is called Gridlock. And it's basically just describing highway traffic. <laughs> um, and also, uh, that's the first verse. The first verse is highway traffic. And the, then the chorus is, but at least we're not on fire. Oops, I guess we are. Oh, my God. And then the second verse is describing um, uh, rent getting higher and higher. <laughs> Oh my god, it's hell! Oh my, so it's just about living in DC then, or Louisville, Nashville, Gary, as the Uh lyrics go. Uh, And uh, but the first song that Werewolf Disc Drive put out, with the pretension that this was like a computer's idea of the greatest song for uh, you know people, uh, the song was was called Hamburgers and Hot Dogs. And, and it's just, it's just this very, like, this extremely deep, like, computery robotic voice. Yeah. Which is him, but like, with effects. Um, singing like, um, uh, I, uh, you can, you can keep your quinoa, like, you can keep your kale, uh, I, what I really want is, what I really want is, and then the chorus is, hamburgers and hot dogs, hamburgers, hot dogs. <laughs> And the videos are really good. The Gridlock is my favorite video of yeah. the videos that he made mm-hmm. for Werewolf Disc Drive. And then after Werewolf Disc Drive, the album came out. Then there was an even more recent announcement. Hey, Say Hi is back. There's going to be a new Say Hi album. Oh, bless. And there has been a new Say Hi album. And so I'm following uh, all of this. Okay. Um, let's see. Did I go through all my notes? Yes, I did. Track 12. Here we go. In three, two, one, play. Track 12 for episode 11 of the podcast. The premiere of the Smug Buds allergy season. Yes. Is Marvel Cinematic Universe Phase 2. And what comes onto the scene in Phase 2? Of course, it's Guardians of the Galaxy. Right. And one of the reasons that Guardians of the Galaxy makes a big splash is because it has this great soundtrack made Uh up of songs that people know primarily from the 1980s. The the awesome mix, as it's called in the movie. Yes. So when I'm making, you know, a mix to match the podcast and this episode of the podcast is about that block of movies it's like okay Mm -hmm. the musical connection is the songs that are in guardians of the galaxy so am i going to do the easy thing and just sort of pick my favorite track off of Mm -hmm. that soundtrack i did sort of the next best thing or like one step away from that this track is living thing by elo or electronic Mm -hmm. light orchestra Mm -hmm. this song was cut from guardians of the galaxy Ah, well done. It's in a deleted scene that has not been seen by anyone because mm-hmm. of a rights issue. Like they, ah. they didn't have, they, they, you know, scored the scene to this song and then couldn't put it on the Blu-ray because they didn't have the rights to mm-hmm. the song. But in addition to that, it, it wasn't a rights issue for the video game. Um, Telltale Games, may it rest in peace. Rest in peace. Put out a Monkey Island and then. (laughs) And then sadly. Died again. uh, Mistreated your workers and 
and went bankrupt or whatever a uh, video Happened. game studio does. Game Workers yeah. Unite. Um, the Telltale Guardians of the Galaxy video game has this song playing over the uh, menu screen. Oh, that's amazing. And it's a good tie-in to the story of, of the game. I absolutely thought that this was going to be – I was realizing now that I confused this with the polyphonic spree when I was like looking at it uh, and I didn't know what yes. the song was yet. Very similar groups. Mm. Um, but not – I'm assuming that the Electric Light Orchestra doesn't wear all white. No, I don't think that they have the choir vibe that uh, polyphonic spree does. Um, uh, 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 what what, uh, uh, what? Oh, and then ELO – um, it, it's not until Marvel Phase Three, which we haven't talked about yet, that we will that we get um, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two, right? And then there is an ELO song in Guardians Two, but it's not this song. It's mm-hmm. Mr. Blue Sky, right? Which was very special for me because uh, in the days of LimeWire and oh, Napster yes. and oh, yes. Kazaa. Uh-huh. Uh, Mr. Blue Sky was a song that I would listen to on my parents' desktop computer in the computer room in our mm-hmm. house, uh, aka the pink room. The pink room. Um, a, 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 a lot. I listened to the, the Mr. Blue Sky a lot. And then um, pausing the video. Ever since the Guardians video game came out, uh, I that's how I discovered the song Living Thing. And I also really like this song of theirs. Speaking of songs I really like, Moving on to track 13. Okay. In three, two, one, play. Should I know who this is? You picked a lot of things that I've either only tangentially know or don't know at all. Honestly, I'm tempted to just let this song play. I There was no way that I was not going to include this song. Really? <laughs> Yes, this is my most recent, uh, I won't say addiction because that wouldn't be um, very thoughtful or appropriate, but uh, I won't even say obsession. obsession. Um, fixation. This is my this is my most recent fixation. And this is another uh, group that, that uh, I've only learned of because of YouTube recommendations. This song is Queen for a Day uh, by a band called Skating Polly. And uh, this, what can I say? This song slaps. I I love this song. Um, this is for the uh, uh, your episode about uh, uh, gendered clothing for yeah. for babies and and toddlers, which gave me an excuse to include a song called Queen for a Day. Yeah, but I mean, regardless, I was going to find a place for this song. <laughs> uh, I I. Yeah, it's it's been my favorite for like a little but significant stretch of time recently. Um, here's a quote from the Wikipedia entry for uh, the band Skating Polly. The band was founded by multi-instrumentalist step siblings Kelly Mayo and Peyton Bighorns. Kelly Mayo, parentheses, born 2000. Oh. And Peyton Bighorse, born 1995. God, the youth will overcome us. Who were just 
9 and 14 years old when the band formed. Will, what are we doing with our lives? What are we doing? What are we doing if we're not Billie Eilish and Kelly Mayo and Peyton Big Horse and already are very successful musicians? I I love this band. I (laughs) I love this band. It's it's just it's just adolescent girl punk rock. Yeah, that's everything I want in my life. It whips so much ass and. This song in particular, I like a lot of their songs, but this song in particular is uh, just uh, a number one favorite. I, I uh, th- what more can I say? I um, we'll talk a lot about punk punk rock next week, but yeah, and it is it feels amazing to hear this band right now, who are right? by women. Yeah, isn't it like yeah, it's like. It's invigorating, yeah. is is what it is, and and it's like I it's it's weird, you know. If if I if I talk too much like this, and I'm like, yeah, like pausing the video, yeah, like yeah. women power, like like this is for me, and and like I like I'm I'm rejuvenated by like girl power, like that's that's a that's a weird. It's a might be a bit of an odd look. Yeah, it's an uh, odd look because you're calling it girl power like it's the Spice Girls and it's 1999. Okay, well, I was being, you know, I was, <laughs> you know what I was being like. I was, no, I understand what you're saying. Yeah, um, but uh, but it's it, but it's the truth. I, I uh, uh, I'm gonna keep listening to that song. You should. It's. I'm good. gonna listen to it again without hearing anything else but that into my ears. I, I I hope you'll do that with this whole mix uh-huh. at some point. Two more tracks. Track 14 is next. Track 14 in three, two, one, play. This is a change of pace from the last one. You know yeah. how I like to do a change of pace. Are you familiar with the magnetic fields? No, but this middle person in this album cover looks just like my friend Brittany. Oh, that's cool. Um, the magnetic fields have been on the scene for a long time. Uh, I first became familiar with them, uh, I think when I was like a teen or maybe even a preteen, but clearly I don't have the best memory for that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, but in particular that their album, uh, called I, uh, where uh, every track on the album, the name of the track started with the letter I, that that was my entry point into the magnetic fields. Uh and then later I uh, I picked up their sort of um I think it's like a triple album uh called 69 Love Songs which is just what it sounds like. Is there 69 love songs on it? Yes. Oh uh, and also uh, yeah anyway that I forget what I was just going to say. Uh also at some point uh in college um the 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 guy this the sort of Eric Elbogen of the mag- magnetic fields is this guy Stephen Merritt, and um, he wrote a, uh, a you know Coraline. Yeah, I love Coraline. Yeah, Kenny has guy's... watched Coraline with Elliot, which scared him. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I mean, he's what two years old. Yeah, so. he was two when he watched it. Kenny, of- Kenny watched it with him because he found a list of ways to introduce your child to horror. Oh, 
not that young a child. <laughs> that's yeah, that's that's uh, some nightmare fuel for a child that young. Yeah. Um no no judgment uh it meant here. Anyway, Stephen Merritt from the Magnetic Fields wrote a Coraline musical. Oh. Um, which uh, uh Dana and I saw performed live uh, off Broadway uh when it was uh running and um they made one casting choice that I loved and I was really into and one that was I thought was kind of unfortunate and kind of ruined it for me but uh-huh. couldn't ruin the really good casting choice which was um pausing it um there was this uh this this man uh with a uh an amazing uh uh falsetto uh-huh. uh playing the other mother Oh, and uh, so yeah, that that was that was the standout of the show. Um, this song, uh, so this is this is for the uh, uh, previous episode of the podcast, which uh-huh. was our our grammar episode. Um, yes, the song is called "With Whom to Dance," and so because of the grammar connection, I thought, okay, this you know perfect example of how to use whom in a song. Uh-huh. Uh And uh, I first uh, I remember. Uh, uh, I, I remember better better than I remember how I learned about Zombies Organize on MySpace. Mm-hmm. I remember f- first seeing and listening to this song on a particular blog. And it was the blog of this guy, Ricky Simons. Okay. Who, whose blog I would look at uh, in my uh, infinite boredom uh, because he was the, the voice of Gurr on Invader Zim. Oh, okay. And he was like an artist and a writer in his uh-huh. own right. And I remember uh, he linked to this song on his blog. And uh, I think I was already familiar with the Magnetic Fields at that point, but I didn't mm-hmm. know that song. And uh, so it's it's been with me for, for that long. Wow. And this, this song is a great example of a phenomenon that I've noticed where I really like a good bridge with lyrics me too yeah like oftentimes like it's the bridge more than the chorus that i find that like gets stuck in my head and i am like singing to myself when i like think of that song that's the part yeah that's the part of a song that makes me feel like my body's being ripped open usually yeah and this song is yeah has a bridge that's like sort of outshines the rest of the song yeah in my opinion um final track track 15 the track that is uh, sort of a bonus track and sort of for this very episode that we're doing right now. Now, wait, before you count down, mm-hmm. I was yes. sort of hoping you were going to put a girl track or a girl, a girl, a girl, oh God, a girl talk song. Oh, the um, mashup uh, yeah. artist? Like, wouldn't that be a meta way to have a song about a playlist? Oh, oh, okay. Yeah. Well, truthfully, I said it was kind of a bonus track because um, I really just wanted to end on this song. With the song? This, song. this song for me doesn't have anything to do with making a mix. It's just the song that I wanted to cap it off with. So okay. final track in three, two, one, play. It's kind of a slow start, so I'm going to talk over the intro. This track is called Space Worm by Don't Stop or We'll Die. Is this man that I'm seeing in blue on the album cover the man that is in the show Love? You are 100% correct. That is Paul Rust. It's hard to know his it's hard to miss that uh that, that profile. Yes, yes, a very distinct profile for the reason that you have identified <laughs> as 
his schnoz. <laughs> um, uh, Don't Stop or Will Die uh, currently consists of uh, Paul Rust and Michael Cassidy. Mm-hmm. So um, you you th- this is sort of a compliment to uh, track seven was uh, Tom Collins by the Sloppy Boys. So mm-hmm. Don't Stop or Will Die is like very much in the same category as the Sloppy Boys. They've just been doing a very similar thing for a little bit longer. They're very similar dudes. They pal around together. They're part of the same, you know, comedy scene in LA. They pop up on a lot of podcasts that I enjoy. Um, uh, one time I was travel, I was driving, uh, with, um, our friend of the devotee of the podcast, uh, Sarah. Uh-huh. And, and I was, uh, you know, in charge of the she, music. She almost didn't make car. it into this episode, but <laughs> yeah, but you, Sarah, you squeaked in, uh, at the, at the, uh, under the wire. And, under the wire. Um, so, so I was playing songs by Don't Stop or We'll Die. This was before this album came out. This album, like the Sloppy Boys album, this album called Dazzle Me just came out last year. So this okay. is a story before that. I was driving in the car playing Don't Stop or We'll Die songs with Sarah. And um, I was not even like showcasing them or like talking about them. It was just like background music and yeah. it was what I wanted to listen to. And Sarah, at some point after hearing a few of these songs, said something along the lines of, why would anyone think to write songs like this? <laughs> and that's the kind of quasi comedy genre that they're in. Just like I said about the Sloppy Boys, they're like you said, they're they're writing silly songs. Yeah, they're not writing songs with a joke hook like yeah. the Lonely Island. They're just writing songs with silly lyrics. But um, still, in my opinion, some legitimately good songs with good music. I like his voice. I like both their voices. Yeah, this is this is pleasant. This is, I would say, more pleasant in terms of like musicality than yes. the Sloppy Boys. Yes, I, I agree completely. Um, Sloppy Boys is a little goofier. Don't Stop or We'll Die is, I think, trying a little harder to to be like a good band. Uh, yeah. Sorry, Sloppy Boys, if that's not fair. But, um, uh, God, I have so many thoughts racing through my head. So, so, so why would Sarah say that? So like previously before this album came out last year, like some of their song titles, for example, are like, um, uh, I got a perm for our camping trip. Okay. Yeah. Uh, was one of them. Um, and, uh, uh, I'm only thinking of examples that I, that don't go with what i'm trying to convey but anyway this track space worm was um back before when when i was planning this prematurely before we knew what the season was going to be yeah when i thought that this might be a 12 track um mix Mm. i still thought like i'm gonna finish with this and i thought that um i thought that you were gonna do a breastfeeding episode i thought Mm. that you were gonna lead with that and right, that, that yeah. would, and that and then there there's a there there's a f- a feed related lyric in this song and so that was <laughs> going to be my connection so that like kind of gave me the idea but like i this to me this is a perfect last track on a mix on the album it's the first track on the album that's so funny okay yeah but i love it as a finisher partly because the chorus goes um uh one last thing before you go there's something you ought to know. Um, so it's like, okay. So that's, that basically illustrates why I would want to put it last. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, 
so and and uh, okay so yeah basically this so i said this album came out last year in 2018 basically this is my song of the year for 2018 oh okay wow there there are funnier there are much funnier tracks on that album like for instance i love the song that's right i'm five Uh which goes the lyrics go uh uh walk into the office pour myself some coffee then i dump out all the coffee because i don't drink coffee (laughs) i only drink juicy juice out of my sippy cup that's the first verse and then the chorus is that's right i'm five that's right i'm five oh don't you know (laughs) um Space Worm is a weird way to start the album. Well, actually, maybe it's a perfect way to start the album because it it sets the tone of like, you won't necessarily get the joke. This is yeah. just something that they thought was funny and it's kind of weird. Uh-huh. Um, I also, I toyed with the idea of using this instead of the Aquabats because in oh, the Avengers, yeah. they fight um, what space some worms. might call space worms. Yeah, space but- caterpillars at least. Personally, I think of them as space whales. <laughs> Maybe Will. just be well. Iron Man has that line where he says to Jarvis, "You know, you know the story of Jonah, the, yeah. the from the Bible." So I think of them as space whales. It was more important to me that this be the last track on the mix Fair. than to make that Avengers connection. But uh, and then I feel like I would be really front loading the mix. It would be a little top heavy, yeah. If this were track two. Um, I said, uh, final, maybe final thought. I said that currently Don't Stop or Will Die consists of Paul Rust and Michael Cassidy. I use the word currently because, um, they used to have a, uh, regular drummer and the drummer's name, uh, was Harris Whittles. Oh, God. Yeah, very sadly. Harris Windows passed away. I think at this point, it's been like four, four years ago, I think. Yeah, at this it point. feels like a really long time now. Yeah, um, just just one of the funniest, you know, comedians and writers. He worked a lot on Parks and Recreation and appeared in some episodes of that show playing a character called Harris, Harris. who uh, loves the band Fish, uh, yeah. like Harris, <laughs> and um, uh, really tragic and um, sad that um, he, he was a member of this band called uh, Don't Stop or We'll Die. And, um, uh, but they, uh, the two of them, Paul and, and, uh, Mike, they, uh, uh, kept making music and I'm, I'm glad they did because this album Dazzle Me is, uh, really good. And also, I think, uh, I actually got this from a YouTube comment on the video that we just watched, except it's not really a video, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, it, it, at the end, uh, you can hear it's, it ends in that sort of way that songs occasionally do where it's like, all oh, right. Yeah. That was awesome. Yeah. And then I, I learned from a YouTube comment and then I checked and I was like, is that true? Or like, uh, and I think it is true. Um, the very last thing that you, you can hear is, is Harris laughing. Oh my God. Rather than one of, one of the two surviving members. That's devastating. All right. Well, um, we should be wrapping up the podcast by now or, yeah. you know, te- or 10 minutes ago or more. Um, do you like the mix I made you? I love it, Will. I love that it's songs that were so lovingly picked and that a lot of them I didn't know. Most of them. All of them, really. Oh, God. I'm happy Except to hear the it. weird kite song. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. So strange that I think the oldest track 
the one from 1967, Kites Are Fun, a song that I assumed uh, no one knew except for Howard Kramer from Who Charted. Yeah. That that was the one out of 15 that you're familiar with. I mean, I guess the only thing I'll say is- And I is, don't remember telling you about it. Sorry, go on. I, I The one thing I will say is that I think, um, I, I mean, normally we've been teasing a little bit more so the episodes of next week, and I have just sort of said it in this episode, yes. but- I have been dutifully preparing for next week's episode on Brand New, and mm-hmm. I f- was fully weeping driving home uh, from picking up Elliot today, listening to The Devil and God Are Raging Inside Me, so watch out! <laughs> Stay tuned to The Smug Buds next week. We are going to keep talking about music yes. as Liz puts a spotlight on Brand New, as we have alluded to and promised over since, many episodes. Since yes, since last season. <laughs> well, thanks for indulging me, Liz. You're welcome, Will, and I love you so much. And I'm excited to listen to this um when I'm working and when I can listen to it a little bit more closely. I love you too. I hope you will enjoy it when you actually listen to it rather than talking I mean listening to me talking about yes. it. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Will is on Twitter and letterboxed at youngest of one. And his website is williamhoffacker.com. You can find Liz at exclamate on Instagram, at exclamate underscore on Twitter, or on her website, elizabethdeannamorrislakes.com. Our website is smugbuds.com, and the podcast is at smugbuds on Twitter and Instagram.